Welcome to Rubbing Fronts, a love, sex, and relationship podcast that tackles hot topics and allows its hosts and guests to speak openly in a safe and intimate setting. This is the first part to a two-part series about sobriety, and today, Tia and Jess talk to Kira from the Boring Little Girls Club. The Boring Little Girls Club is a non-profit organization here in Calgary, and they set to foster a community of sober women, non-binary, and trans people who support each other and have fun without alcohol or drugs. Kira talks about what it's like to become sober, setting boundaries and consent, and hopes to inspire others on this week's episode of rubbing friends. Instagram has like this huge cult following of sober influencers. It's very, very strange to me, wow. but I'm like, I'm also really into it. So I don't know why I've made friends with some of them. And I'm like, oh, if I'm ever in Connecticut, I'll come <laughs> visit you in your small town. That's so That'd be cool. amazing. So today we are talking about sober dating because it's something that I definitely feels prevalent in my relationship, not being involved, you know, with a lot of drugs and alcohol. And the first person that came to my mind when I was like, <laughs> this episode, I have to do this. I need to bring in Kira from Hi. Boring Little Girls Club. Yay. Hello. We're so happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. And I would love for you to tell our audience what exactly Boring Little Girls Club is. What made you start it? Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, sober for two and a half years now, and I started the Boring Little Girls Club when I was about a year into my sobriety, and I found that my social life was non-existent because my social life had been so predicated on this idea of fun, this idea of going out, this idea of drugs, alcohol, bleh, bleh, get wild, party, <laughs> woo. Yeah. And so when I got sober, I found that I was just removing myself from that to save myself the pain of going out. How many members do you have right now? We've got (laughs) over 45. I was counting the membership sheets the other day. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's it's super, super awesome. The last year has been pretty wild. Lots of learnings, bringing new people into new roles and just having it grow really, really organically and having it serve the need of the community. Right. Yeah. So were you in, sorry if this is like already. No, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Were you in a relationship before you started the group or like? when you were already decided to become sober yeah so i i got into my relationship with my current partner kevin who is wonderful and i love him and he knows that i'm talking about him right now so it's all good i prepped him i was like hey just so you know i'm gonna go do this yeah and name uh, dropping you i am gonna name and he's just like oh it's fine okay i met kevin on tinder and this was back when i was drinking and i was partying and i used to have like a very specific aesthetic that I still kind of hold but I had a shaved head I went through a period where I would only wear shorts and tights yeah it was good so I mean my partner is he's very like clean cut he's very polished Mm. so you know he walked in uh into the ship and anchor where we were meeting and I was sitting there just like shaved head drinking my eighth beer (laughs) eating a burger in shorts and tights and he's like wearing a nice collared shirt it's like his pressed khakis on (laughs) like oh my god you're so cute yeah and so uh we've been together ever since so we just celebrated our third anniversary in congratulations yeah thank you that's awesome yeah no it's uh it's really great it's it's definitely been a learning experience for both of us a it's my first relationship that i've ever done sober b it's the first healthy relationship that i've ever found myself in and that 
is very interesting because it coincides with a really cool time in my life where I'm growing and I'm exploring and I'm expressing myself, but I'm also able to have my partner be my support in that. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on your search to a healthier place, you can do yeah. it with somebody who's kind of in it with you. Absolutely. And I mean, it's interesting because I haven't had to be out in the dating sphere sober, which, you know, other people will tell you, not easy. That's really interesting because we want to talk about some of the challenges mm. that people will face, <laughs> you know, in a sober lifestyle and dating. Yeah. And I guess, what do you think some of the challenges would be for somebody who's dating out there in the world? Yeah. I mean, like, being in a relationship myself sober, I think, especially when my partner is not sober, right? So if you have two sober humans, they understand each other. They're like, okay, yo, you got your story. I got mine. We're both abstaining from X, Y, Z for whatever reason. And they've got that. If you have a <laughs> sober human like myself, <laughs> and I'm just going to use my partner, for example, I'm just going to call him Kevin because his name is Kevin. So I'm not going to call him like <laughs> Mr. X or something. Um, and then you have someone like... We are currently experiencing some technical difficulties and the podcast will play shortly. Thank you for waiting. Where did we leave off? I have no fucking clue. Uh, I you don't were know. talking about your partner. <laughs> yep. And yep. He's him great. being a drinker. Yep. And you oh, not okay. being a drinker. <laughs> Fun <laughs> challenges. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest things that I have learned in sobriety is my boundaries, which is something that I was always lacking. I grew up in a household. I did not have a father. He passed away. Like, my family has alcohol addiction issues and drug addiction issues and mental health issues and interest generational trauma if we want to get into that. I came from a, a really, really amazing, loving family, but definitely a family with baggage. And so me, myself, and I, I decided, oh, it's great. I'm just going to numb myself to everything, which is how I really got into my lifestyle before I got sober. And my only relationships that I had were typically, like, I don't think I've actually had a relationship with someone my own age. They were all older men. And they were all older men who, looking back at it now, were taking advantage of me. That is not cool. I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of my choices just because it brought me to where I am today. And That's how I like to live too. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, my life would be super boring. It would be like, oh, make the right choice every single time. Yeah. Nah. Never works out no, that no. way. <laughs> make the mistake 18 times in a row and then yeah. maybe you can get on the right track. Yeah. But no, so one of the things that I've learned that I am continuously learning are my boundaries. So setting boundaries with myself and then setting boundaries with the people around me. That is probably the biggest thing with my partner is being able to communicate those boundaries to him and not having it come off as an attack, not having it come off as judgmental or negative or anything weird like that. For example, if I I have trouble with how he smells after he drinks the beer stench, I have a really, really tough time with that. And that's a fun conversation to have. <laughs> hey, babe, can you just like stay 15 feet away from me at all times whenever you're drinking? But having those conversations is so incredibly important. And it's hard. And it's scary because a lot of people are not up for those conversations. And so when you are having 
having that relationship with that power dichotomy of someone who's following the societal construct and someone who's not, the person who is, say, the drinker is following. That does not mean that they're in the wrong. That does not mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that it's anything. It's just their choice. And that's totally cool. But if they are going to be in the relationship with the sober human, they have to realize that that person is sober for a reason. No one just wakes up and is just like, yo, I'm not gonna (laughs) drink or smoke weed or snort a line anymore. Like, I'm just (laughs) not gonna do that. Like, no one one is like, oh, this is a really fun idea. This is a cool thing for me to do. It's like, no, it's hell. But it's great. I love it very much. So setting those boundaries about what's gonna keep you safe, what's going to make sure you feel comfortable, what is going to help you get through a night going out or going to a family dinner with their family when they're splitting 18 bottles of wine. How are you going to, in that partnership, maintain those boundaries so that you are able to be safe and secure? That is one of the biggest challenges. (laughs) Did you feel like it took you some time to be around an environment where there was drinking, like with your partner? Like, how did you navigate going out (laughs) and having a social life? Well, that, uh, so when I got sober, I was just like, one day I I looked in the mirror and I had this like life-changing moment. And I was like, I'm not going to drink anymore, which I like to take things to extremes. I really do. I'm (laughs) like, oh, I'm going to, you know, join an Olympic team versus joining like a rec league. Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, this is happening. Yeah, I like 120 percent. I'm like, but um, I hadn't done any of the work. People do a lot of work when they're looking to remove themselves from drinking, from using, from mind altering substances. Mm -hmm. People do the work to make that decision. I had done none of that. Getting sober is great, but there are so many different underlying factors to it looking into your trauma to your triggers why you drink what makes you drink and what situations are you uncomfortable and why and why do you need that drink to make you feel comfortable and all these different questions right the first two months i was just like oh this is great and then i started having the panic attacks and it was bad yeah because i mean the most visceral moment that i remember is we were down at um kevin's family's they've got a ranch down south and there was this big music festival and that's the danger zone. You're yeah, I was just gonna say. Oh my god, I know. And like the thing is, is that I know that now. Yeah. I, I was just dumb. Yeah, <laughs> like so at not the time, dumb. Yeah, but, but at the time, what were you thinking? Like, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm strong enough. Or? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is fine. Like, mm-hmm. this is yeah. his family. Like, it's gonna be fun. It's great. I've got you know my diet coke, which is now yeah. I've got my soda stream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like God bless soda stream. Soda stream. God bless. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we're at this this music festival at their ranch and it's a safe location and we had our own room and Mm -hmm. you know we went through the steps of hey this is what i need from you and then it just you know it hit me and i was just like i gotta get the fudge out of here because i can't be around these people yeah it's not because they're bad it's not because anyone was being mean or awful it was myself and it was those boundaries that i was talking about coming into play where it's like oh lordy okay i'm feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i'm about to get some major feelings i need to just get myself to a safe space so i did not leave that night i was very proud of myself i did not get into my car and leave at 3 a.m i was very proud but you know i did i did go off and the next day i had some really really major reflections on why 
you know, I'm on medication for depression and anxiety. I have been diagnosed with both of those. I don't like large spaces. I don't like large spaces with people who smell like booze. Yeah. Yeah. I do not like the smell of booze. I cannot handle it. It makes me gag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first visceral reaction I had where I was like, I need to get out. Since then, myself and my partner, you know, we've gone out to multiple events. And the biggest struggle that we have is that I cannot predict when I'm going to feel like that. You know, sometimes I'm fine. Sometimes I'm in a good mood. Sometimes things are great. Sometimes things are not. And, you know, I can't change that. It's, you know, it's like saying, oh, it's fine. You're sad. Be happy. <laughs> Nothing anyone can do can can change that. Mm -hmm. So he feels sometimes, and he's literally told me this, so I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn, <laughs> that I move the goalposts. So okay. I, that's a good I, way of saying it. And it's not conscious, and I, I can't control it. Yeah. But some things will trigger me, and some things won't. So that kind of led to me just refusing to go out. And that's where the idea of the Boring Little Girls Club came in. Because if I'm not going out because I'm scared, I'm going to get triggered and be upset and not have a great time and actually put myself in danger. So I'm staying in. But then when my partner comes home, we're fighting about his drinking because he smells and because he's an ass. Love him very much. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that is really, really tough because then it's like, how do you how do you combine those two worlds? And the Boring Little Girls Club has done that for me because it's given me this outlet and this sphere to have a social life and to create a community where people are dealing with the same fucking shit I am. Mm -hmm. Totally. And also people who have had a lot more fucking time in sobriety than yeah. myself and people who have done it different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. That's great. I love my people. I love my babes. Because do you feel like you can learn from other people as well who Fuck are in yes. a sober relationship? Even if you yes. yourself are not in a sober relationship. 100%. And I mean, I don't think it has to just be romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, this is friendships. This is the relationship with my mother, which is, again, my mother knows I'm talking about her. Okay. I did tell her. Okay. So let's just preface that. Jenna, I love you. You know, like, my relationship with my mother, my mother is my hero and my strongest role model and she's a single mom and she's just a boss like all the time you know she has gone through more than anyone else my relationship with her was quite damaged when I was drinking because I was not a great person and because we are very similar personalities yeah but since being able to set up boundaries and have open and honest communication with her like you can learn so much just from that other person or from watching someone else in that relationship because then they can be like yo this worked for me like you know now kevin he will text me if he's like on his way home and i'm like okay cool if he doesn't text me i'm assuming he's staying at someone else's house because he cannot walk in at four yeah. in the morning it's not <laughs> to our okay. house yeah not an option yeah. <laughs> please men listening out there don't do don't that. do that never do that and we have that understanding and that's really really important because you have to talk about this shit this shit isn't stuff that you know people are gonna be like oh sobriety handbook 101 make mm -hmm. sure your partner stays on the couch and lock all your doors so they can't come <laughs> in and sleep beside you like it has to be said and it has to be understood on both sides yeah mm -hmm. does that make sense yes 100 okay. yeah. Cool. yeah absolutely. and not just for sober folks for yeah. everyone yeah. Yeah. yeah do we feel like we give 
our partners, not maybe not the partners we're with now, but just in general, um, an easy pass when yep. they're drinking to do inexcusable behavior? Uh, <laughs> Kevin would say absolutely not. Yeah. Because <laughs> I come down on him so yeah. hard. It amplifies my anger. Oh, it so does. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a touchy subject for mm-hmm. me. Because I think I said it before, to drink for me is to die. Like, this is my life and death in my hands. And when he does stupid shit, I'm like, Fuck you. I can't. I can't. But that being said, I mean, I recognize that everyone has their own choices. Mm -hmm. For me to tell Kevin, you're not allowed to do this. That is not a healthy or productive way to do anything. No. It's it's just not because someone telling me to stop drinking or to stop doing stupid shit or whatever wouldn't have changed my mind. It has to be a realization you come to. So it does have to be that give and take between the partners. But when people do stupid stuff because they're drinking, I think society in general allows it. Mm-hmm. You know, when people make untoward comments or great example, and I'm not talking about anyone in <laughs> in particular here is, you know, human A is hitting on human B and, mm-hmm. you know, just won't go the fudge away. Yeah. No means no. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think our society allows that because it recognizes what a hold alcohol has over people. But that being said, on the flip side, it condones that action and encourages it. So it's kind of that like catch 22 there. I do not. With Kevin, I do not have the ability to turn that switch off. I am trying right now to recognize when my reactions are a little bit strong to stuff he does. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're working on that. But at the same time, I think especially if you're in a relationship with sober human, human who drinks, the human who drinks needs to recognize what that behavior does to someone who's abstaining mm-hmm. and vice versa. If you're abstaining, what does that do to your partner who drinks? Do they automatically feel judged? Do they automatically feel like you consider them a bad person for drinking? Obviously not. But, you know, the moment that you jump on that reaction or jump on um, their behavior whilst drinking, that is the first thing that goes into their mind. And then it becomes this great conversation you have. I've had many of those. it's fun (laughs) oh my god so i think this is a good lead into dating in general just some like rapid fire things for people out there who are searching for a relationship while sober what they should do so for first dates my go-to always was drinking let's go for drinks let's you know get into a comfortable free-spirited headspace but sometimes that's not always the greatest choice so what are your favorite date places i really like the science center that's I'm just like that's not a joke I really like the science center coffee shops like mm-hmm. I live in coffee shops I love to go to coffee shops as well like I'm yeah. just gonna preface yeah. right now like we've talked about this before I prefer a lunch and a coffee over a dinner and drinks 100% but you feel like that's more of like a friend zone type thing I do yeah, yeah. which I mean just like a construct and like and that but... comes to the thing where are you comfortable telling the person you're going on a date with that you're sober yeah that's because a huge thing that is going to be the difference there if you are going on say a dinner and drink day there are a lot of places out there like i go to bars and i'm like what are your non-alcoholic beverage options mm-hmm, yeah and i'm like okay you have this this and this i can come here again like yeah. i'm cool with this yeah because i don't want to just drink a diet coke all the time no. though i i do 98 of the time if you are not comfortable telling the person you're dating that you're sober and that's completely fine then you're going to probably put yourself in a situation where you don't have control over the location so then it becomes a question 
of why can't you tell this person or why don't you want to? And that's something you have to do on your own and deal with to yourself. So that's A. And then if you are at that dinner with drinks and whatever and you get a soda water, either if it's, you know, like you don't have to bring it up. If they question you, you can say you're on medication or you're ill or you don't, don't want to drink and drive. To, yeah, yeah. Or whatever that answer is to just make it go away. If you are comfortable, I would say, especially on dating apps, like just put it there. Well, you now know? you can select, which is so interesting. That you yeah. Put in, yeah. Well, at least plenty of fish. I don't think uh, Tinder does Tinder? It. Plenty of fish for sure. Like I remember when I was dating back in 2011, <laughs> you had those options of, okay, do you like to drink? Yes, no, socially. And like oh. it would go down. It's like, oh, do you like smoking? Yes, no, socially. Like, are you looking for a partner who smokes? Oh. And then you can say yes or no. So there's customization there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fantastic when you no, are sober. No, that's amazing mm-hmm. because even if you want to go on a date with someone who isn't necessarily a sober human, like they need to know on the flip side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that I think those that would be the biggest thing is whether or not you feel comfortable telling people you're sober. If you don't, here are your options. If you do, choose a location that's not going to highlight those inadequacies right there. So coming from somebody who's not completely sober, like I do enjoy a drink, should I be changing my dating habits to not be drinking on a first date? Should that be like a rule? Should that be a rule? I feel like in general, you make better decisions when you're sober. 100%. So. I can I can attest to that. I make less stupid choices now <laughs> than I did. Still make stupid choices, but less. I don't know. I think, I think set in stone rules are like they don't work for me just because like I'm such a loosey-goosey person. I'm like, my choices are my own and everyone is free and da 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 freedom of choice i think if i were to start dating again i think that would be super rad like if it could just be you know coffee shop you get a bagel it's wonderful you have coffee you chit chat go for a walk or something go for a nice walk you can take my dog out like he's great yeah yeah like if i were to be dating again sorry kevin but i don't know like i think that more so rather than making that kind of jump i think we as a society need to evaluate why mm-hmm. why are we drinking and that's not just you know like a meta question it's just like okay why do we need to have one versus four versus eight drinks on that first date is it because we're uncomfortable is it because we don't know this person is it because we fear for our safety is it what is it it'll open up a can of worms i know and that's <laughs> the most fun because then you get right. to dig deep and you're like yeah yeah can yeah. we psychoanalyze jess right now so jess- <laughs> <laughs> why do you drink? Why? What, yeah. Is it for the liquid courage? <laughs> yes. I can't remember a time that I had sex sober. What? Mm-hmm. Even like sure. recently with? Yeah, recently now. But like, because I've been in a relationship for mm-hmm. two years. But just, you know, past history. Wow. Yeah, it's hard. And I think a lot of I, people would say yeah. a similar answer. I don't think I'm the only one. No, for sure not. <laughs> and like, I was talking to my, my boyfriend yesterday about sex in general and how we do have sober sex. And I told him like, there are people in my own social circle that never have sober sex and for them they're afraid to have sober sex because they believe it's boring or they don't want to find out that they're both bad lays or something Mm -hmm. and so for him that blew his mind and i'm surprised about you jess like that's very surprising especially in a two-year relationship like i know now things are changing Mm -hmm. but still like that blows my mind yeah well i mean like another thing is is i think that a lot of people are very very uncomfortable with themselves right like (laughs) 
it's easier yeah. not to think and just do it right and just and that's do what it and not does. yeah and not have to worry about the consequences mm-hmm. right of oh my gosh i'm catching feelings or actually i don't like this yeah i shouldn't be doing <laughs> this, this guy's a jerk yet he has a nice dick but like, also i'm four <laughs> drinks in and two tequila shots later yeah right and and it's you know like i think women in general and marginalized people in general have less of an ability to say no and less of an ability to be like actually i'm really uncomfortable with this situation so i'm gonna get the fudge out of here when you know in terms of sex like (laughs) speaking from my own experience when i was drinking i would go out some guy would buy me a drink great we're having sex like that's just how it is like i have a question (laughs) yeah and i've always been curious about this and maybe like jess you can answer i i don't know but in those instances is it the guy who first gives you a drink or like let's say another stud stops by and is like hey what's up like who do you choose is it the first one normally no like it could be whoever like whoever my drunk eyes land on Uh, (laughs) after i've you know after i've had my required amount of drinks to go home with that human Mm -hmm. yeah whoever's there i'm like yeah fuck it whatever and it does not mean that anyone's coerced me into it but it also doesn't mean i'm completely in control of my actions true yeah which is really really tough because i mean especially in our culture today where we're putting so much emphasis on consent then this becomes a very very interesting conversation Mm -hmm. especially around binge drinking culture and sexual activity because for me to say no after 12 drinks is that going to matter is my silence going to matter probably not because buddy boy over here is either as deep as i am or just doesn't give a fuck yeah Mm -hmm. and that's really scary Mm -hmm. and i don't like that so uh that just took a really dark turn that's okay yeah that's fine and i mean that's that's reality and that's a conversation that has only recently been publicized more where there's that me too movement right and that's something that i used to work in the movie industry and i've seen that a lot where men would be sexually harassing women even just at the workplace. And so after, you know, the Me Too movement, like, hey, we had a couple drinks, hey, this person taking advantage of me. Men shouldn't be afraid if they're not doing anything wrong, I find, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you understand no means no with a woman or a man who's under the influence and you respect that that's cool you're fine well i was listening to front burner it's like this 20 minute segment on cbc it's a podcast and there was one in hmm, last february i'm gonna say that was about the me too movement Mm -hmm. and it was talking about the difference in body language consent that women see and men see and this is a generalization and of course my opinion Mm. no one else's opinion only mine (laughs) men are awful at figuring out what consent and body language means whether or not a woman is bored whether or not a woman doesn't want to be there and figuring out that silence actually means no like the only thing that means yes is yes so and it's so interesting because it's just like i'm sorry as a as a woman i used to have a very tough time saying no and i used to have a really tough time being like actually i'm not into this because i had a couple drinks and i just didn't care mm-hmm. and that's not cool yeah. i don't know where i was going with that it's okay my my story as well didn't it's really okay. go anywhere don't worry. we're leading somewhere here <laughs> yeah. we got plenty okay. of questions <laughs> yeah consent is yes good. means yes 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 and no means no also we have a sobriety survival guide that's going to print <gasps> excellent so, and actually that's one okay. question we want to talk about about later because we don't know what our listeners are going to be like where they're from so it's great that we do have like boring little girls club but for people who are outside of the city 
what online resources, what fringe resources, let's just go with that. What resources are good for sobriety, dating sober, or having someone who is sober and they might not be? It depends. Okay. Okay, so it depends on your your recovery method. And I think it is completely up to the individual. There's no one recovery method that works for everyone. So you have AA, you have NA, you have Refuge Recovery here in the city, you have Smart Recovery across Canada, you have your doctor, any city, any town, any, I don't know if they're called counties are they counties yeah the counties yeah counties yeah, yeah, counties are like counties. little areas <laughs> little, little <counties>. regions <laughs> Um, anywhere in the county, um, medical offices, they will have all of the recovery resources that are available in person. So support groups or whatever, if you were that type of person. I tried a 12-step program. It did not work for me, but it does save lives and it does work for millions of people. So early recovery, I highly recommend checking out a group of human beings who have been doing it a little bit longer than you because regardless of whether or not that works for you, you will have made a connection in the sober sphere. Outside of that, I recommend Instagram. Instagram has like this, not weird, but like huge cult following of sober influencers. Okay. It's very, very strange to me, wow. but I'm like, I'm also really into it. So I don't know why I've made friends with some of them. And I'm like, oh, if I'm ever in Connecticut, I'll come <laughs> visit you in your small town. That's so That'd cool. be amazing. It is. There are some really, really super, super rad sobriety pages. I mean, obviously mine, the Boring Little Girls Club. There's The Temper, which is a magazine. And it's super, super rad. And it's all sober authors. And they're focused on LGBTQ2S and female authors and non binary folks that fall into kind of the more marginalized zone and getting their perspectives on sobriety. Sharing my sobriety. Her name is Jocelyn. I'm obsessed with her. She is amazing and I love her very much. <laughs> you know, there, there are huge amount of resources on Instagram. It's a weird cult. And mm -hmm. I like it a lot. I'm part of it. That's it's awesome. great. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, I'm always surprised by like the worlds, the inner worlds in Instagram. There's so many yeah. spaces really for everybody. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> I'm like, I get so into it. I'm like, oh, this is me. Yeah. yeah. Like, what did people do before Instagram? Like, I think they put bulletins. Well, it's at, it's true. Yeah. Bulletins. Store in the well, county. it's just interesting <laughs> that people like not to get all philosophical or mm -hmm. anything like that. But, you know, social media is hated on so bad that it's like the isolating but it is what you make it right exactly. sorry to interrupt no. but like spoiler alert everyone spoiler. you just make it what you want it yeah. i got some fun questions okay. now because we definitely do? jumped to the end there <laughs> like i wanted that to be the end part but whatever okay so during your first date in the boring little girls club have you heard stories about like people like hey i'm really nervous on these first dates i always wish i could drink or i could do this but they don't what do people do to combat that do they just suck it up and that's something again not only for romantic relationships but even for friendships mm -hmm. right for anyone you haven't met before it's like it's intimidating to get into a room and be like yo i don't have anything to like not separate me from you like mm -hmm. so we can meld our minds together and like make sweet love like i don't have anything you know like that yeah. i know that i will always want to drink um if i were to start dating again i would struggle with that yeah. enormously i think you know one of my biggest tips and tricks for sobriety is always have a fucking drink in your hand doesn't matter what it is you get there five minutes before your date and you have a diet coke in your hand end of story and then what no is it about it that makes you so calm like when i'm at a show if i don't have it like a coke in yeah. my hand at the very least i feel like i shouldn't be there it's 
absolutely <laughs> so weird well and it's it's that security for me it's a security mechanism because mm-hmm. it's just like no one's gonna fucking come up and talk to me haha mm-hmm. just because you know having that drink in your hand is you are taking steps mm-hmm. you are protecting yourself yeah weirdly enough a yeah. diet coke can do that for you and i mean the other thing that i would say to those people is that it's going to be okay and honesty really is the best policy there mm-hmm. if you feel comfortable with it right and if you are in sobriety and if you've been there for a little bit of time you've probably come out to you know your friends and family that you're sober and you're not drinking and da 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 drinking or using I should say when you do that that's a huge confidence booster because people are going to love you anyways mm-hmm. right and people are going to want to spend time with you anyways yeah. and you're not a freak and you're not alone like there are millions of people who are doing this and it's okay yeah. it's great yeah I like to leave on that note no, I don't lovely. know why yeah, bye. I'm just like bye <laughs> you're not alone I love you follow well, me on Instagram please, please. Yes. I like my Instagram <laughs> I get weird about it well I was even reading a vice article the other day and it was saying that like how millennials are essentially like being called generation sober now because so many young people mm-hmm. are not drinking yeah so I think like if you ever feel like oh I'm like the weirdo going on this date not drinking like you're probably not alone a lot of people are okay with it now and understand that you know people have boundaries there are things that yeah. you know come with another person and if you can't accept it then they're not the person for you well like and that's a huge thing right there are more and more people like I did not have one person in my life who was sober before I got sober and then I like started reaching my tentacles out <laughs> to meet people and I was like oh wow like there are a lot of people nowadays who are recognizing that alcohol in particular is not good for you <laughs> like yeah. at the end of the day it's just not good yeah the amount that we normalize binge drinking isn't great there's a gap in services in terms of the social sphere for humans who do not drink and use there are needs there and if anyone wants to help me with that please let me know our generation i mean i don't know what my generation is i don't even know what i'm called okay so millennials yeah this is for you um no i think you know there are a lot of us that are sober and i think that the way our world is moving with our ability to open up and to listen and this concept of there can be a discussion it just doesn't have to be just debate there can be dialogue even if one person isn't cool with it it doesn't mean the next person won't be open to hearing why and having that conversation can be really freeing and really uplifting and really confidence boosting because you're like no this is my life this is my choice this is my whatever (laughs) i don't want to say destiny because that sounds too pokemon-ish oh come on (laughs) let's ask two more questions (laughs) (laughs) have you had a bad online date before and if so would you like to talk about it i have to think about okay uh one moment yeah of course and then i have a better question after for like positivity and (laughs) yeah i mean i I had like multiple really, really bad dates when I was out in Vancouver. Let's not go traumatic. Oh. I don't want you to go traumatic. <laughs> I know Vancouver too well. Don't go traumatic on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm like, okay, what's not traumatic? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> we can go to the next question. Okay, go to the next question okay. while I think about this one because okay. I've got this. What have your best first dates been? What made them so memorable? Okay, I'm going to tell you better. my first date with Kevin. Awesome. Okay. Yes, please. So... I think I already mentioned it. Shaved head, mm. wore tights. It was great. 
tights and jean shorts, by the way, denim awesome. cutoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And I'm at the ship and anchor and I used to do some of my my job when I was drinking because I was just like, oh, I can sit at the bar and I can be cool and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I used to do my schedule at the ship. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and Kevin comes in and this is just proof of how good of a person he is and how much of an asshole I am sometimes. But he comes in and he, as you know, look like looking fresh, all clean cut and stuff. And he has an overnight bag with him. And Damn. I was just like, ready. I was like, oh, excuse me, like, who are you? Like, I was so concerned. I was like, are you going to murder me? Like, what's going on? And so I think the first words out of my mouth were like, are you planning on killing me? Like, if so, like, I am not down for that. Like, I would like you to leave now. And he was like, nope and i was like okay and so he orders a burger and he eats it and we're chit-chatting and i was like so uh yeah overnight bag eh bud <laughs> he was just like i'm going to a funeral tomorrow <gasps> and he was flying out the next morning oh. to ontario and i was just like oh Shit. fuck me <laughs> like i'm so sorry bud like i really am an ass and uh yeah and then three and a half years later we are still together and he loves me that's amazing <laughs> we don't have to do the bad first date one that okay, was quite yeah. nice well yeah that was a nice one also i can't really think of one where i'm just like oh this is funny yeah like there were like a couple ones where i went to this jazz bar on commercial drive uh-huh. and it was just like they had really bad seafood <laughs> and that's like all i can remember but nothing that's perfect like, yeah that's memorable. all i need yeah there you go really bad seafood <laughs> yeah at the jazz bar at commercial <laughs> at a jazz bar and commercial Doc let's go <laughs> All listeners, can you uh, give them a one-star rating for their seafood, please, please and thank please you? Please do. Hell yeah. Woo. Any parting words or advice that you want to give to somebody who's on their sober venture before yes. we sign off? Um, you are not alone. You can do this. And if you need help, the onus is on you to ask. So please reach out and do not feel uncomfortable to do so. So you can find the Boring Little Girls Club at... Boring Little Girls Club on Instagram, Boring Little Girls Club on Facebook, www.boringlittlegirlsclub.ca. Literally, if you type in the hashtag sober on Instagram, you will come up with like a huge amount of pages. But sharing my sobriety at sharing my sobriety at the temper at the tempest at Holly Whitaker. Actually, I think it's just like at Holly that's her name and she's that cool i'm just like oh fuck off whatever like it's you like can share she found yeah like i'm just like name. cool i have to be the <laughs> kira dunlop but you can be at holly <laughs> great <laughs> yeah and then i mean we we have a contact form on our website www.burnlittlegirlsclub.ca so if you have any questions concerns comments or just want to talk even if you're outside of Calgary. Like, it's great. I have connections across the country with sober folks. So just let us know. That's amazing. Love it. Thank you for listening to the Rubbing Friends podcast. If you have any questions about love, sex, and relationships, you can get in touch with us at rubbingfriends at gmail.com to have your question featured and answered by three to four of the most unqualified experts with a lot of heart. You can also find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, by searching our handle Rubbing Friends or visiting us on our beautiful new website, rubbingfriends.com. This episode has been hosted by Tia and Jess, and we'd like to thank Kira from the Boring Little Girls Club for coming on our show today to talk about sober dating. You can find out more about the Boring Little Girls Club at boringlittlegirlsclub.ca or on all social media at Boring Little Girls Club. We'd also like to thank Doser1, who did our intro and outro music. You can find him on Instagram, Doser underscore one, and find out more. 